quartet of messages. We're doing on small groups, relationships. Next week, we launch small groups, which are awesome. Um, if, you've, if you've never been a part of a small group, I encourage you to check it out. If you have, I still encourage you. We do them a little differently. Let me just take a second and talk about that um, with, with you guys. So for us, small groups, we do what we call free focus, uh, free form with a focus. And what that means is you can do a small group on anything. So we have people that are doing small groups, running small groups or basketball small groups. I'm doing a golf small group. We've got people doing a book club small group. We've got people doing a Bible study small group. We got You can find a small group for whatever you want to do, whatever your life is. So we always say for small groups, don't try and take people out of their normal life and bring them to your group. Let's take your group to normal life. You're already doing life in groups. People already naturally connect with people and do life in groups. And so we say, hey, let's make you take that and bring a focus to it. And that focus is Jesus. So take 10 minutes at the end of an event. Maybe if you play basketball with a bunch of guys every week, that at the end of that time, you would go, hey, I just want to share with you guys just for five minutes what God's doing in my heart. And, and is there anything I can pray for you about? And, you know, let's talk about maybe what we're struggling with and, and create an opportunity where people can get a little closer to Jesus. So that's our idea of small groups. A lot of people, when they hear small groups, they think Bible studies, and we do have small groups that are Bible studies, but that's not all of our small groups. So we encourage you to jump in and get plugged in. Um, they're a lot of fun. All of us lead one. Everyone on the team is going to be leading one. I'm leading two, and um, we're going we're gonna to watch what God does. It's going to be cool. Hey, let's pray, and we'll get into it. Dear God, thank you so much for these people. Thank you for Valley Rice Church. Thank you, Jesus, for this area. Thank you for this city. Thank you for every single person who's, who's here and those who are yet to come, God, that, Thank you for the people that are preparing the way for them. We pray you bless today. We pray um, that every single person takes a step closer to you, Jesus, and a step closer to the people around them. Let us, uh, let us fall more in love with you today than ever before. In Jesus' precious name, <clears throat> amen and amen. Hey, let me ask you a question. Have you ever been betrayed? Not, not lied to or deceived. I mean, we've all I had a guy call me the other day who I won the publishing clearinghouse. Like, isn't that amazing? Like, he was like, you won a quarter of a million dollars. You just got to pay the taxes up front. So, I mean, you, you know, I, I thought it was a good deal. Figured why not. Um, and, and I like to, like, I, I like to kind of argue with these guys. They'll call me. They're like, You've, you have a, an African uncle who's a prince who's passed away, and he's left you a sizable fortune. I'm like, oh, my gosh, no way. Like, that's a miracle. How many of you play along with him? Like, is it just me? Okay, good. Like, I play along with him. I go back and forth. I'm like, this is a miracle. They're like, yes, it is a miracle. I'm like, it is. I'm Mexican. I thought my uncles were in Mexico. The fact that I've got an African prince uncle, this is amazing. I mean, I can't believe God would love me this much. So we've all been deceived. But I mean truly betrayed. Betrayal almost always takes place by someone who's near and dear to us. It's betrayal because maybe it's somebody that's closest to us than anyone else. Maybe it's a sibling or a parent or a best friend or, or maybe someone you never thought could betray you. How do you feel when you're betrayed? Probably, probably hurt, maybe, maybe vulnerable, maybe stupid even because you think, how could I let this happen to me? How could I, how could I ever let someone get one over on me or... Maybe you just maybe you're depressed, or or maybe you go into a state of gosh, I don't know if I can ever trust again, or I don't know if I can ever connect with people again. Now hold on to those feelings, and let me ask you this: How many times, on the other hand, have we maybe betrayed people, where you maybe have found yourself in the role that you've done something that has betrayed someone, whether intentionally or unintentionally, that you've done something, and and your actions have caused someone else to feel some of those things. There may be no greater betrayal in the Bible than that of Peter and Jesus. We all know Peter. Listen, I don't know about you, but I love Peter. Peter is hope for me that we can all get into heaven somehow. Peter was cursing and then walking on water one second. I'm like, I like this guy. Like, that's if he can get in. I feel like I'm going to get there. They're going to be like, all right, hey, Peter got in. You got a chance too. So 
Um, I love Peter. And we know that a lot of us know the story, the betrayal where Peter tells Jesus, I'll never leave you. Never, Jesus. Everyone else can leave you. I will not ever leave you. And Peter, Jesus goes, no, Peter, before the rooster crows three times, you're going to betray me. No, Jesus. Everyone will be, cuts off the guy's ear. Or like he, Peter's in it. He is not going to betray Jesus in his mind. And if, for those of you who have seen The Passion of the Christ, I love it because there's that moment where the rooster crows the third time and Peter recognizes it and realizes, oh my goodness, I did what I said I was never going to do. And there's this moment in The Passion where Jesus and Peter lock eyes and immediately Peter just breaks and it's like, oh my gosh, how could I do this to Jesus? The, the Savior of the world, the Son of God. He didn't just betray like a friend or a brother. We're talking about the Son of God. Like, and Peter feels the weight of that immediately. And I love what I want to talk to you guys about today is what do you do when you find yourself in this situation in relationships? Whether with Jesus or with people, where you've, you've torn a relationship, there's been a break in a relationship, somehow there's been a relationship that's been mismanaged, and now you're going, what do I do now? And I believe that Jesus does something amazing in this story I want to tell you. He sets this, the, the path for how to work your way back into a relationship with people. A lot of times when we hear Jesus, we think God because Jesus is all God. But Jesus was also all man. And so sometimes when we read this, we're tempted to go, well, yes, this is how I restore my relationship with God. But I want to encourage you that just like Jesus was all God, he was also all man. And so it was also the same prototype he used to show you how do I restore my relationship to the people around me. Jesus has now been raised from the dead. He's, been shown, he's shown himself to the disciples three times, but this is the first time that he's been in any intimate situation with them, any situation where maybe he can start to hash out some of this. How many of you ever have beef with somebody and you see them like in a big group, you're good, you know what I mean? You're just like, oh, I can't stand that person and like, you know, just stay away from them. And it's different when you walk in a room and there's like three of y'all and y'all are all in there and all of a sudden you're like, oh my goodness, this isn't good. Like this, we, we have to work this out or fight it's one of the two like there's no and and we've all felt that tension Peter finds himself in this same place John 21 1 after this Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the sea of Tiberias and he revealed himself in this way Simon Peter Thomas called the twin Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee the sons of Zebedee and two other disciples were together Simon Peter said to them I'm going fishing that's how I knew he was a Cajun when all else failed Peter was like we're going fishing let's go we're going fishing he said they said to him, may we going to go with you? So they were Cajun too. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as the day, let me tell you this, for those of you who are fishers, there is nothing worse than like going out and, and not only just like fishing, but not like getting a bite, like not doing anything. Like if, if you're depressed and you go fishing and you don't catch any fish, you're more depressed than before you went fishing. Like it's even worse. And, and so as dawn is breaking, where are we at? Jesus, they said, we'll go with you. They went out and got on the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Let me stop right there and say this. As I was writing this, I felt like God really spoke to me and said, you know, they say it's darkest before the dawn. Okay, darkest before the dawn. And as I was reading that, I thought, there are many of you, many of us who are in situations that seem dark, that seem hopeless. There's situations that come to your mind and you go like, God, I don't know how you're ever going to restore that. I don't know how ever you're going to fix this. I don't know how ever you... And when I was reading this, God spoke to me and said, if you'll just wait, Jesus is on the shore of whatever situation is in your life. Whatever it is that you're walking through, just wait a little longer. Jesus is on the shore waiting to change your situation. And they, so he said to them, have you caught any fish? Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. No, he said, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. So they cast it and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. 
That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about 100 yards off. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid on it. I believe that means Jesus was a Cajun too, just so y'all know in my mind. With charcoal fire in place, with fish laid out on it and bread, Jesus said to them, bring me some of them fish we're about to eat. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. This story seems simple, but I believe in this story, Jesus gives us the layout of what it looks like to relationally refresh yourself with people and with God. We all have those people in our life, and immediately when I say it, someone's going to pop in your mind, that when you do something wrong, they're the first to say, like, I told you so. Okay, now all of us have somebody that came in your mind when I said it. Maybe it was your parents, maybe it was a sibling, maybe it was a best friend, maybe you're sitting next to them, okay? I don't know, that's between y'all. But all of us have those people in our lives that when you do something wrong, they can't wait to go, aha, I told you. If you would have listened to me, that wouldn't have happened. I told you that was gonna, if you wouldn't have done that, that wouldn't have, and it makes you feel horrible. Because inside, you've either gotta go, okay, well, yeah, they were right, or you gotta fight them on it, even though you know you're wrong. And so, We have these moments where Jesus is with Peter and now Jesus should, if Jesus was any of us, if Jesus was a Cajun, if Jesus was any of us, Jesus would walk out there on the water and go, Peter, say I was right. Come on, tell me what I tell you three times. Peter, where where you at? And Peter would be like, okay, you were right, Jesus, I was wrong. But that's not what Jesus does. I love what Jesus does here. The first blank in your notes, Jesus wants to refresh us physically. You go, how is that possible, Christian? I'm going to show it to you. Jesus wants to refresh us physically. Jesus, instead of going out and proving Peter wrong, instead of rubbing it in Peter's face, Jesus goes on the shore, makes a fire, sets up. Jesus makes breakfast. Jesus makes breakfast for the disciples, especially the one who had just betrayed him. And Peter comes off, and now Peter is wet, he's sandy, and there's nothing worse if you're wet than being wet and sandy. And Jesus goes, hey, Peter, listen, why don't you come sit down and eat? And you got to imagine that Peter is taken off guard by this because Peter's like waiting for it. He betrayed Jesus. You know he's waiting for it. He's just like, okay, here it goes. Like, I know, Jesus, just tell me. Tell me I was wrong. Tell me I'm not getting in. Tell me. And Jesus goes, come and sit down, Peter. Let's have breakfast together. John 21, 15, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to them, feed my lambs. Jesus does this thing. And he shows us that we've got to take a time. He goes, Peter, before we get into any of what's going on in life, let's take a second to refresh ourselves physically. Let me ask you this. When is the last time that you've been refreshed physically? When's the last time that you just came home and before you started anything, before you checked your emails from work or maybe before you turned on the TV or before you, you started working on the house or before you, that you sat down with the family, you sat down on the back porch, you went outside, you made a meal and you just said, listen, before we get into anything, let's just be refreshed physically. Let's sit down and take a moment to just enjoy ourselves. The Huffington Post did a survey and they said of 50 families they surveyed, 44% of fam- or 44 of these 50 families used technology the entire meal that they had at dinner. So they were on cell phones, they were on their tablets, they were on laptops doing. 
And they said, what happens is when you do this, you live in a constant state of fight or flight because you're constantly waiting for something to come in. You're constantly on the verge. You're waiting for an email. You're waiting for a call. You're waiting. And it creates this thing in us that we can't stop. And Jesus here goes, listen, I know this is way back when, but I'm going to look forward in 2018 and realize that people need a break at times and they need to refresh themselves physically. I encourage you this week at one point, come home, you and your wife, you and your kids. Listen, I got kids. I know it's crazy. Set everything down and go, let's just refresh ourselves physically. Let's take a break to turn off all the distractions of our lives. Let's give ourselves a break physically so that we can begin to connect with the people around us. Because, you know, they say it about millennials all the time. It doesn't matter how many people you're around. If you're doing this all the time, you can't connect with anybody. And it's funny because we'll get in groups and you look and everybody's like standing here like this. And they're all texting each other. I'm like, who are you texting? They're like, him. I'm like, why don't you talk to him? They're like, because we're texting in a group. I'm like, what? Why did and we're guilty of it. I was standing in the back and I'm texting Brendan who's standing in front of me. And I literally was like, Brendan's standing right in front of me. I should just say whatever I'm gonna say to him. <laughs> like, and, and so we live in this constant state, but I encourage you, Jesus wants to take a moment to refresh you physically. Turn off all the distractions. Allow your mind to relax. Allow your body to relax. Sit down and before you get into the cares of the world, before you get into the day, before you argue with your wife or beat your children or any of the things that happen on a nightly basis if you are a normal family, okay, Take a moment to relax. Jesus wants to refresh us physically. The second blank in your thing, Sabbath must be a part of my schedule. I love the Ten Commandments, and my favorite commandment is take the Sabbath day holy. What does that mean? Okay, it's funny that people remember all the other Ten Commandments. Don't kill, don't steal, don't take your neighbor's wife. Don't, okay, all of the Ten Commandments, except for keep the Sabbath day holy. And I find it funny because God is saying in this, you taking time to relax and refresh yourself is just as important to me as all of the other things, all of the other commandments that happen. When is the last time that you took a Sabbath? And let me tell you what that is, if I can just teach you for a second. The Sabbath is not a time where you just go, okay, I'm not gonna work because like, I just, I don't know, Jesus said to do it. The Sabbath is a time, what would happen is, in the Bible, people would, you work six days, and it's still true today. If you could work a seventh day, you could get more money. You could make more crops. You could do more. Whatever you were doing, whatever you're putting your hand to, you could do more. And what the Sabbath is, is it's us taking a day to go, God, I'm going to work six days and trust you that if I give you this one day, just like with my tithe, I give you this one day, that you're going to make my six into more than I could ever do on seven. It's taking a moment to Sabbath your soul, taking a moment to trust God with a part and go, I could go and do this, but God, I'm gonna trust you and I'm gonna give you a time and I'm gonna relax. Even Jesus, even God himself rested on the seventh day. And so it's for us the same thing, God, I'm gonna rest and, and, and Sabbath must be a part of my schedule. I encourage you, take a time a week. If it's a day, awesome. And don't do any, I went to, let me tell you this. Sorry, I'm jumping around. I went to Israel um, last January and it blew my mind to be around the Jewish people that are like, they're like hardcore with everything. Like all 643 commandments they know, like there's like, it's insane. And they don't break any of them. And Sabbath day comes and they shut off everything. The light, they don't turn on a light switch. And I'm going like, what? That, you guys are pretty hardcore. You don't even turn on a light switch? Like what is, but they were so dead set on this concept of we're going to take a day out and rest and trust God to do what only he can do. 
We must build that in weekly. We must build that in yearly. You must have times where you can get away and refresh yourself so that you can connect with others. Because let me tell you this, if you're not refreshed, your relationships will not be refreshed. If you're not healthy, your relationships will not be healthy. If you're not whole and at peace in your spirit and your soul, your relationships cannot be whole and at peace. Take a Sabbath. Number two, Jesus wants to refresh us emotionally. And every man in the room said, what is he talking about? Emotionally. John 21, 16, he said to him a second time, Simon, son of Judah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. These three times that he asked if Simon loves him, if Peter loves him, um, the words in Hebrew, the first is physically, do you love me with your body? The second is your soul. Do you love me with your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions? Okay, and so he says, tend my sheep. Jesus wants to refresh us emotionally. When I get up in the morning, I have two cups of coffee, okay? I get up, any coffee lovers in here? You can't start your day without coffee, everybody. That's the most participation we've ever had. I'm gonna start asking about coffee every week. Um, you gotta start your day with coffee. I get up, and before everyone else gets up, I get up and I go, I start making the coffee, I get my coffee, I sit down at the table, I got a little nook, and I sit down there, I put on my worship music, I start reading, and I take time to connect with Jesus emotionally. I think there's many times we can see Jesus as this, this far distant deity that is just looking at us like, okay, don't do anything wrong or else like it's gonna be bad. And not as a personal Jesus who wants to sit down and have coffee with you and go, hey, let's talk about what's on your heart. Let's connect. Why don't you cast your cares on me? Why don't you take on my weight because it's light? Let's connect emotionally. They have all these signs I see that say, um, all I need in the morning is Jesus and coffee. And I remember seeing that one day and thinking, no, really, like all we need is Jesus with coffee in the morning. Because if I can take time, connect with Jesus first, the rest of my day goes far, far better. About the time that I finish that cup of coffee, Eli comes running in in his underwear and starts throwing cereal and putting on PJ masks and like doing all kind of stuff. And, and, and Alex gets up. And my second cup of coffee I have is with Alex, my wife. We've been married going on eight years. We've been together since high school. So we've been together almost 12 years. And, and I still, let me tell you this, men, and, and, and this is not, I'm, I hope I'm not getting you in trouble. It took me five years before I learned how to connect with my wife emotionally. I didn't even know what that meant. We would spend time together and she'd go, I feel like we haven't spent any time together. I'm like, we just spent the whole day together. I don't understand what you mean. She's like, it wasn't the right kind of time. I'm like, what is that? What is the right kind of time? Like, I don't even know what, how does that work? Like, and she could never explain it because to her, it's common sense because women are emotional and to men, it, that we have no clue what you're talking about because we're stupid. And it took someone sitting down with me and going like, hey, let me tell you what it looks like to connect with your wife emotionally. When's the last time you asked your spouse, hey, how are you feeling today? Tell me about how you're feeling. And then just listened. Now listen, guys, girls, close your ears. They're gonna say a bunch of stuff. It does, none of it matters, okay? Just go, oh, wow, no way. Oh, really? God, I can't believe that. The fact that you're listening means more to them than anything else, okay? You just take the time to ask the question, hey, what are you feeling today? Talk to me. What's on your heart? They're gonna look at you like you're weird. It's okay. That'll last for about three or four months. What's on your heart? Tell me how you're feeling. Because what has happened as a generation is we have not taught our men to connect emotionally. We've become very disconnected as a generation. And it happened because, I mean, historically, we had people that went off to World War II. They came back, did horrible things. Then we had Vietnam. We had all these wars. And what we've been taught as men is when things are hard, you don't talk about it. You keep it in. You don't deal with it. We don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk. I had never, no one in my life had ever asked me, how do you feel about something until I was 21 years old? And I remember a guy asking me that. A pastor said, hey, how are you feeling about this? 
And I literally stopped and I said, I don't, I don't even know what that means. Like, no one's ever asked me that. Like, I'm a man. You don't live off your feelings. You know what I mean? You do what you got to do and you do. But what I had neglected was that Jesus has given us an emotional soul for a reason. It's first to learn how to connect with him. Because if I can't connect with Jesus emotionally, I'll never be able to connect with anyone else emotionally. If I can't be healthy with Jesus emotionally, I'll never be able to healthy, be healthy with my spouse emotionally. I've got to be open and honest with Jesus so that I can be open and honest with everyone else in my life. And listen to me, there's a lie from the enemy that happens when you try this. And what it is is be open, but don't be honest. Because in an effort to be perfect, we'll stop being honest. But listen to me, there is no intimacy without honesty in our lives. If we can't be intimate with people, we can never be honest with people. So spouses, this is for you. Take time to get emotional with Jesus. Take time to connect with Jesus in the morning so that when it comes time for you to connect with your spouse, you will have an opportunity in a way, now that you've already opened up, you've cleaned your soul of everything that you and Jesus need to work out, that you can be open and honest with your spouse. Jesus wants to connect with us emotionally. The third, I connect, sorry, two. The second blank on number two. I connect best with people when I've connected with Jesus. I connect best with people when I've connected with Jesus. It's so true. There is no connection with people, true connection, without me being open and honest with Jesus. Because here's what happens. When you really get open and honest with Jesus, okay, and I'm not talking about sit down, because this is how, when I was writing this message, I sat down one time and I'm like, okay, Jesus, speak to me. You know, okay, I got, I got a meeting at 10, Jesus. Like, speak to me, okay, go. And I remember thinking immediately, I don't know if I want to hear what Jesus actually has to say to me right now. Like if I'm trying to pencil Jesus into my schedule, like, hey, Jesus, hold on. I know you got a lot going on up there, but if you could work from 9 to 10, that'd be great. 9.45 preferably because it's going to take me 15 minutes to get to the office. Come on, we all think that way. No, just you guys? All right, cool, whatever. Um, we, we all go through that where you're, where you're trying to figure out how do I connect with Jesus. And I encourage you in this. Be patient. Wait on Jesus. Create an opportunity for Jesus where you can go, hey, I'm going to connect with you, Jesus, and you speak to me however you want to speak to me. Because maybe my schedule looks a lot different than your schedule, Jesus. Maybe you want to do some things in me that I didn't know you wanted to do in me. And it's scary because we start going there and you go, okay, Jesus, I'm going to connect with you, but please don't talk about that one issue I have that I don't want anyone to know about. Okay, Jesus, don't talk about this relationship that you want me to, 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 to work on because I, really I don't know if I'm ready to go there. And so we start trying to compartmentalize our lives away from Jesus, not realizing Jesus isn't after those areas. Jesus is after you. And if he can get you, he can work on those areas when he's ready and when you're ready. How do you know that, Christian? Because we see him do it with Peter. We're now an hour into the interaction between him and Jesus. They're eating breakfast. They're hanging out. And not once has Jesus said anything about what Peter did to him. Isn't that amazing? You think Jesus would sit down with him. The tension we talked about at the beginning, when you're with someone that you know has done you wrong, and you think Jesus would go, okay, Peter, anything you want to say to me now? We ate breakfast. I made you breakfast. It's the, come on, you guys, don't act. It's the husband, you know, when you're in trouble and you get up, you make breakfast. And you're like, hey, I took out the trash, cleaned the house, made the beds, washed all the clothes. And you're just waiting for it. You're waiting for, okay, well, I guess I forgive you now. You know, like Jesus goes and makes the breakfast. He's sitting there connecting with him. And Peter's waiting on it. He's doing what we do. Jesus, okay. Yes, I love you, Jesus. Okay, when are you going to bring it up, Jesus? I know. What area of your life are you scared for Jesus to bring up? What area of your life are you going, okay, Jesus, don't, don't, just don't touch this area. Because let me stop and tell you for one second. He is not after that area of you. He is after all of you. And if he can get all of you, he can work on the areas in you whenever he wants to. 
He wants to connect with you. He is more concerned about connecting with who you are than changing who you are. Because when he connects with you, it will change you from the inside out, not from the outside in. Jesus wants to connect with us. I connect best with people when I've connected with Jesus. And number three, Jesus wants to refresh us spiritually. Jesus wants to refresh us spiritually. You go, Christian, duh, what does that mean? John 21, 17, he said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you were old, you would stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after this, he said to him, follow me. This is the most important part of this whole story. I love this. Jesus has now been betrayed. He's risen from the dead. Jesus is in high demand. Jesus is good. I'm pretty sure there's a lot of people that wanted to see the guy that raised from the dead. But Jesus takes time to go and connect with Peter. And while he's connecting with Peter, Peter is beginning to think just like all of us. And it happens no matter where where you connect with God, it happens. When you walked in here today, you thought of the reasons why you shouldn't be here. The reasons why, okay, well, like worship's going on, but I shouldn't lift my hands too high. Or like maybe, maybe just like this is good because like I did some things this week that God's going to be mad about. So like I don't want to, if I get too into it, then like Jesus is going to strike me dead. Or We all go through these reasons of what keeps us from Jesus. And Peter's sitting there. And Peter's thinking, okay, Jesus, I betrayed you. You called me out of fishing. Jesus found Peter on a boat, called him out of fishing. Peter denies Jesus, and where does Peter go? Peter goes right back to fishing. He's like, well, that was a good three years, I guess. Wasted those three years. Go back to fishing now. Not only has he done that, but he's taken everybody with him now, and they're all out fishing. And Jesus shows up and finds them exactly where he found them in the first place and goes, hey, like, let's, let's eat together. And you know they're all in this mindset of like, okay, God, we, we went back to what you called us out of. God, how many times have you feel that way? Where you feel like, God, I went back to what you called me out of. I don't know how I got back here again. God, I don't know why I'm still struggling with this. I don't know why I'm back here again. I don't know. God, if I could just fix this, maybe you wouldn't be mad at me. Maybe I could be better. Maybe I could get closer. Maybe I could. And we start going through all the reasons why Jesus doesn't want to be close to us. And Jesus makes them breakfast. He connects with them physically. He connects with them emotionally. And now he comes to connecting with them spiritually. And he not once, I love this, I love this. Thank you, Jesus, for being so patient with us. I love this. He looks at him and he doesn't say anything about what Peter did. All he says to Peter is, follow me. What does that mean? Peter's going, how, how, what does this mean? I've just, I've denied him. I've got all this baggage though. God, I've done all this stuff. And Jesus looks at him and goes, it's not about anything that you did. Let's start over again today. Why don't you just follow me today? Why don't you just follow me today and we'll figure it out? Why don't you just jump on? Let's go, Peter. Let's, I'm not worried about what you did. You've reaffirmed your love for me. Why did Jesus ask him this? Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Peter did not need to know if Jesus loved him. Jesus had just died for him. Peter needed to hear Peter say that Peter loved Jesus. Peter needed to reaffirm to himself that his heart was there, that his mind was there, that his spirit was there, that his love for Jesus was intact. And then once he did that, Jesus goes, then if you feel that way, I want what you want. Why don't you just come follow me? There's areas of our lives that we're scared to let Jesus in, and Jesus goes, I'm not concerned about that. Do you love me? Yes, God, I love you. Okay, do you really love me? Yes, Jesus, I love you. Okay, then hey, don't worry about that. How about you just come follow me? We'll figure it out on the way together. The Jesus we serve is not a mad Jesus. He's a personal Jesus who wants to figure it out with you if we'll let him. 
if we'll sit down and connect with him physically, if we'll connect with him emotionally, if we'll give him time to speak into our lives, that all he will say to us is follow me and let's do life together. Peter now sees this connection with Jesus as something that he hasn't blown, he hasn't lost it, he hasn't gone too far. He, he betrayed Jesus. I mean, you think of that, he betrayed Jesus. I have a friend that betrayed me when I was 16 years old. I literally didn't talk to him, I don't think ever again until we were like 26. Like, I think, when I think of someone betraying me, and I go, okay, he let Jesus die. And Jesus is like, hey, just follow me. We'll figure it out together, just follow me. I wanna tell you today, you think you're too far, you think you've blown it, there's areas in your life you think keep you from Jesus. Jesus is looking at you and he's pulling on your heart and he's going, hey, why don't you just follow me again today? Don't worry about any of that stuff. We'll figure it out together. Follow me, give me all of you and we'll work on the rest as we do life together. This message is personal for me. There was a time where I was, where, I mean, people see us and they see our marriage and they go, you guys are great, man, you have such an awesome family. And, We've, we have life happen just like everybody has life happen. Three years into our marriage, I did not think we were going to make it. I legitimately did not think we were gonna make it. We had separated, we were separated for six months and I'm going like, this is, this is it, you know, this is the end. And I guess, I don't know, I guess this is how, this is how life happens. And that's why there's 50% divorce rate. And this is why, you know, I guess it is what it is. It's not gonna happen. And God began a process of restoring me and Alex to give us the marriage we always wanted, to give us the relationship we always wanted, to give us the friendship we always wanted, to connect us the way we had always longed to be connected and never knew how to do. Jesus began to work on our relationship and restore and refresh first our relationship with him and then our relationship with each other. And I remember asking Alex one time, I said, God, Alex, you're like so much better than me. Like, you're like a way better person than me. Are you married to somebody like that? Like, they're way better than you. You just look at them and you go like, it makes sense why Jesus loves you. It doesn't make sense why he loves me. Like, you kind of deserve it, me not really at all. And I remember asking her one time, how is it that you love me the way you love me? I mean, man, we've, I've put you through hell at times and we've been together since high school. Anyone who's been together since high school knows the ups and downs of a relationship like that. How is it that you still love me? How is it that you still, I mean, God, you're like the best wife ever. And Alex said something to me that was, I, to this day, I, I still haven't wrapped my mind around how she does this, but I know it's God's heart for us. She said, Christian, the way I love you is between me and Jesus. It has nothing to do with you. I love you the way I love you because Jesus called me to love you like that. And because he loves me like that. It has very, very little to do with you. And I remember just going like, oh my God, you're a way better person than me. And, and thinking that, and then I had this moment where God spoke to me and he said, Christian, the way I love you is between me and my son. It has very, very little to do with you. I love you because of what he did on the cross, because of how he laid his life down, because he took your price on the cross and because he loved you so much, it opened the door for me to love you so much. Now I don't see any of the sins that you should be carrying because Jesus carries them. I don't see you the way you are. I see you the way Jesus is. And because of that, it has very little to do with you. When you are in Jesus, I love you because I love him so, so much. God loves you. He's not mad at you. 
He loves you too much to leave you where you are, but it happens when he says, follow me and let's do this journey together. Let's walk hand in hand. Let's eat breakfast together. Let's connect emotionally. Let's spend time together. And the more that we do that, the more I will change who you are. Would you bow your heads with me? Jesus, thank you so much for loving us. God, you're so, so good to us. Doesn't make sense. I'm baffled by your love every single day I wake up. That your mercies are new every morning. That somehow you care about me the same, whether I had a good day or a bad day. Whether I did everything I should do or everything I shouldn't do. That your heart towards me is the same. That you love me and you're patient with me. I love you so much, Jesus. Thank you for growing me. Thank you for loving us too much to leave us where we're at. Thank you that you're constantly working on us in love and in patience and in kindness, that you're not mad at us. I pray that every single person here, God, connects more emotionally with you this week. That they take time to take a Sabbath physically to connect with you in their relationships. They take time spiritually to connect with you, Jesus, to reaffirm every day, Jesus, today I'm gonna follow you. More of you and less of me today, Jesus. With every head bowed and every eye closed, as I was talking, you might have said, Christian, I've never never made that choice to follow him. When you say follow me, I've never made that choice to step out and take that follow me step. I've been scared of what Jesus was gonna say. I've been scared of what God was gonna want from me. I've been scared of how he was gonna react to me. I've been scared about what he's gonna do. But I realized that I don't need to worry about that. I just wanna follow him. With every head bowed and every eye closed, this is between you and Jesus only you and Jesus. If that's you and you say today, Christian, I want to start that journey on this Palm Sunday to follow Jesus. Would you raise your hand for me? Amen. Amen. You go ahead and put them down and listen. I want you to pray this prayer with me. This is you pray it out loud. You can pray it to yourself. Pray it in your heart. As long as you mean it, this is between you and Jesus. Dear Lord Jesus, I ask today that you would take all of me Forgive me for my sins. Today I choose you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for raising again so that I could live a life of freedom. Thank you for coming to me in a personal way and wanting to have a relationship with me as much as I want a relationship with you. Today, Jesus, I choose to follow you. I choose to live my life for you and to serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. Hey, would you go ahead and give a hand to those who just made the greatest decision of their lives? Amen, amen. Hey guys, thank you so much for being here with us today. Next week is gonna be awesome. I encourage you to take a step out, invite someone, hand a card to the cashier, hand a, you know, be generous, leave a card for somebody, buy their coffee. Let's reach out and love people. If we're not loving people, then then the vision of what Valley Rice Church is isn't happening. And it's to show people how much God really loves them. To go out in the community to reach people. So let's love on people this week. Let's invite people this week. Let's pray. I encourage you to pray with us. If there's someone you've been praying for, this Sunday's their Sunday. Get them here and this Sunday will be their Sunday. I'm telling you, we'll make sure that we create an opportunity for God to connect with them. Hey, if you came prepared to worship when you're giving today, we're going to go ahead and do that in a second. Just like I say every Sunday, and I say it every Sunday because there's always new people, I will never ask you for money. I will always ask you to ask God what he would have you give. The Bible says that each man should decide their own heart what the Lord would have him give. And so every Sunday, I want you to hear me say, I want everything for you and nothing from you. 
I want you to do things that God puts in your heart, and we want to champion you on. We have three ways you can give here at Valley Rise Church. You can put it in an offering envelope. You can go online and hit the giving tab at valleyrisechurch.com, or you can text Valley Rise in the amount to 77296, and then they'll send you a thing where you can get it set up. You guys are such a generous church. We love you so much. We're so thankful that we get to serve you and be a part of your life. We're praying with you and for you for Easter. It's going to be awesome. We're going to have we're going to have like a bunch of stuff next week. We have an Easter egg hunt that's going to be happening. We have a photo booth. Come dress to the best. We're going to have somebody taking pictures in front of a photo booth for you because everybody wants pictures on Easter. We're going to have a donut wall, okay? You're like, what is a donut wall? You will see. It is awesome. And um, we're excited. Hey, go ahead and stand with me. We're going to pray over this. Dear God, thank you for every person here. Thank you for every gift and every giver. Thank you for the heart of Valley Rise Church. Thank you for every person that's put here today. I pray you bless them.